Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Growing Up Cast, your weekly feel-good podcast, where this week we talk about all things monster, we talk about all things superhero, and we talk about some skeezy business practices. That's right, this week we talk about Kong Skull Island, Godzilla King of the Monsters, leading up to Godzilla vs. Kong, which is what we end the podcast with. I review all three of those movies. I beat Spider-Man Miles Morales, so we'll talk about that game as well. Uh, We talk about the uh, second episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and then we start off the podcast by talking about this new thing that Disney's trying to do and how super not okay it is. Anyway, before we get into that, let me say the thing that I usually say at the start of this thing. If you like the podcast so much, this one, this one you're listening to right now, if you like it a whole bunch, and hey... You got money burning a hole in your pocket. Feel free to swing on over to patreon.com forward slash going upcast. You can become a $5 Patreon supporter. And you get access to all the movie commentary tracks that I've been cranking out. Uh, Order of the Phoenix should happen fairly soon. Um, who knows? I'll, I should have some time this week to sit down and watch that. And then uh, I'll upload it. And then it'll just be a thing you can listen to. That's enough of me blithering. This is a long episode. Let's So let's get into it. Changes to Walt Disney Parks is certainly not a new thing um, in order for Disney to stay competitive. Um, I know the idea of Disney staying competitive is simply hilarious because Disney is fucking romper stompering over everybody when it comes to entertainment, both in terms of visual media and physical things you can go and visit. Disney runs king. And uh, they have just launched a brand new project... Uh, goal vision. We'll call it a vision board, um, for for lack of a better term, called Disneyland Forward, which describes upcoming um attractions to not only Disneyland but um, Disney parks around the world, and that is also sort of like this, like maybe we could do something like this sort of deal. Um, so at the bottom, it talks about things that are ongoing that have basically already been kind of confirmed. Uh, and that's things like the Tron coaster coming to, uh, the Magic Kingdom in Florida, though it already exists in Disneyland Shanghai, Toy Story Land and Hollywood Studios in Florida, um, and the Zootopia world that is being brought to Shanghai Disneyland. And the quote we get for that one is, Currently under construction at Shanghai Disneyland, guests will be invited to experience the mammalian metropolis of Zootopia, where anyone can be anything. With a new major attraction that will seamlessly blend Disneyland storytelling and state-of-the-art technology to bring this fan-favorite movie and its characters to life. I would fucking love to go to Zootopia Land. I think that sounds awesome. In terms of new shit, here's what we got in terms of brand new shit. A Frozen World. Guests will, oh, sorry. Guests will enter Arendelle, the home of Elsa and Anna, and explore this frozen land filled with a thrilling boat adventure, as well as a restaurant set inside a castle. Um, it is said earlier on that these new lands will, uh, let's see, with Disneyland Ford and an updated approach, these exciting new lands and attractions coming to Tokyo Disney Sea could be the perfect future uh, inspiration for the future of Disneyland Park. So all this shit, all this dope-ass shit, is going to Tokyo Disney Sea, which is the second um, Japan Disney park next to Tokyo Disneyland. So along with Frozen getting a ride and a world built around Arendelle, and the concept art of that looks utterly phenomenal, it is also getting Tangled and Peter Pan. Here's what they have to say about the Tangled shit. <clears throat> Rapunzel's Tower overlooks a charming forest where guests board gondolas to the Lantern Festival to live Rapunzel's, quote, best day ever with Flynn. A restaurant where she befriended a band of thieves in the film is also featured. So they're having the Snuggly Duckling restaurant and then a ride built around the Lantern Festival? Fuck yeah! That shit sounds dope as hell! Are you kidding me? Oh, I'm so excited for that shit. Maybe someday. Maybe someday. And then finally, Peter Pan. The Neverland area features two attractions. One, that with the help of Tinkerbell, takes guests on a boat ride following the Lost Boys down a river, and the other, taking guests on a journey into the middle of Pixie Hollow, where Tinkerbell and her fairy friends live. The area also includes a restaurant with spectacular views inspired by the Lost Boys' iconic hideout. Well, I mean, the hideout's inside of a tree. So, um, spectacular views from the inside of a tree, huh? Cool. Um... 
And I, I do appreciate the fact that they are expanding beyond just the core Peter Pan movie to include the rather illustrious uh, fucking legacy that is the character of Tinkerbell, which has far more depth and, uh, like, movies explaining what the fuck Tinkerbell is about than, like, Peter Pan ever got. Because there are, there are simply more movies about Tinkerbell. And now we get into this vision board thing where Disney kind of shrugged its shoulders and went, maybe it could look like this. Um, and we have a map here of what Disneyland currently looks like. Um, like Disneyland and then Disney um, California Adventure. Uh, and then there's also the uh, like D downtown Disney and all that stuff. It has this little map. And then there's a plot of land like diagonally across the intersection um, where it's like a new kind of Disney entertainment could include theme park, hotel, retail, dining, and entertainment. And then there is a quote, possible immersive theme park could include hotel, retail, dining, and entertainment. So they are looking to expand into Burbank, um, which is curious. There, there's a thing up here. Um, we want to bring more Disney investment to Anaheim. However, this simply isn't possible under current inflexible planning restrictions unless we remove and replace treasured rides and attractions to our parks today. Without updates, new Disney experiences and placemaking created for, from our beloved stories will likely never find their uh, way to the Disneyland Resort as they have other parks throughout the world. With Disneyland forward and more flexibility within our existing properties, new lands and adventures like those underway at Tokyo Disney Sea and Shanghai Disneyland could inspire new experiences here. So my guess me raising my hand here my guess burbank is expensive and i'm guessing the city doesn't want to do this and that's what's causing current inflexible planning restrictions is is the thing that jumps out at me there um and that makes sense to me that burbank does not want to be overrun with new disney shit Especially because the area outside of Disneyland could really use some fucking help. It's not a great part of Anaheim. It's like, it's not the best. It needs, it needs some, it needs some help. It's not a very high income area. Um, the stuff that lives in and around Disney. And, um, if Disney were to buy huge tracks of that, that would be um, problematic from from my point of view. This idea of this new kind of Disney entertainment destination. This property could be the perfect location to cater to locals. Fucking doubt it. Conventioneers, hotel and Disneyland resort guests and restaurants, hotels, live music, shopping, decadent shows, and theme park experiences modeled after the popular Disney Springs at Walt Disney Resort. So it looks like they're trying to expand um, downtown Disney to make it a, a larger Disney Springs-esque destination. Um, the the expansions to Tokyo Disney Sea and Disneyland, I'm super fucking here for, or to to Disney World rather, because there is natural place for that stuff to expand, and I I get wanting to expand Disneyland as well as that is like your that is your um, your flagship, right? It all started with Disneyland in California. It all, it all did, but it is a complicated political scenario that Disney is faced with here. And to me, this there's a button here that says "Get Involved." We are beginning the we are in the very beginning stages of working with the city of Anaheim to make Disney Ford a reality. To receive updates and other information below. I support Disneyland Forward. You may list my name publicly as a support. Yeah, they're they're trying to they're trying to strong arm the city of Anaheim by getting public support for this change. Now, don't get me wrong, I like more Disney stuff as much as anybody, but I also want what is best for the city of Anaheim. And if Disney needs to pull this sort of tactic in order to get what they want. My gut is telling me that this probably isn't in the best interest of the city of Anaheim and is in the best interest of the Walt Disney Corporation. Um, so, I need more detail. 
as we all do in order to fully understand the true complexity of a problem like this. But I'm not I'm not so sure that uh, everything here is on the up and up. Um, and I think Disney is doing uh, doing something a little a little shady here. Um, normally, I wouldn't think this of Disney, but it was recently brought to my attention that Disney has, for years, for years, been devaluing the Fantastic Four intellectual property in the hopes that Fox would sell it back to Disney because it wasn't worth anything anymore. Even though Fox knows fucking just as much as Disney does that the Fantastic Four are worth something. It's just Disney is artificially devaluing the property because it knows that as soon as it gets their like as soon as Disney gets their hands back on the Fantastic Four, they are going to fucking come out with the best Fantastic Four movie anybody's ever seen and make Fox look foolish. So and the, yeah, like this is this is also why like Fox or Disney rather scrubbed all of these Marvel games off of digital services. Things like Deadpool um, used to used to be able to buy that digitally on like Steam and stuff. Can't do that now, uh, and that's that was right in the height of Disney getting control over all of Marvel's stuff, really. Um, and it's you know they they're they're very they're very eager to get that stuff back and uh, make sure that any money made off of anything they own goes to them. So, and they want their stuff back. So, I mean that's why you know Sony still has Spider Man technically. But Disney's Disney's there. Disney could not be more in Sony's in Sony's like face, being like, "Hey, how about that Spider-Man though? Hey, how about that Spider-Man though? Okay, you want it? Can we have that? Can we give us give us Spider-Man? We want we want that one. We want that Spider-Man." And now they're looking at Fox and be like, "You already gave us the mutants." Although, did they they got Fantastic Four back, right? Because the Fox on Fantastic Four, they bought Twentieth Century Fox, so they got they got the Fantastic Four back. But it's just fucking shady ass. They didn't have to do anything like that for the X-Men because the X-Men movies were trash. And so Fox screwed that up on their own. And you could argue that the Fantastic Four movies were garbage as well. But it's like Disney was very much putting fuel on the fire for them to give up. Um, And I just remembered that they bought 20th Century Fox. So Disney succeeded. Um, And as much as I want what is best for the city of Anaheim, I, I would not be surprised if Disney bought huge fucking apartment complexes and bulldozed them because that's what it is around disneyland it's like it's their apartment complexes for families people live there all of the all of the land that disney is supposedly proposing to expand into people live and work in these areas and you can't just i mean disney probably will but you really fucking shouldn't just buy out those buildings under them and then just they would have to buy and bulldoze and rebuild um all those areas and boy you know nothing all right so the the locate all right the locations that they've marked on their maps i've just pulled up google maps location they've marked on their fucking maps let's take a look and see what we got i see hermosa village apartments Right there, massive apartment complex directly across the street from Disneyland and the parking lots. It's right there. I see consultant um, organizations. I see a lot of restaurants and hotels, probably for Disney. And diagonally across the street, I see more hotels. Um, Well, I guess that's a parking lot. It looks like they'd be developing their own parking lot. That doesn't make any sense. Why would they do that? Um, There is... Fuck, there's a lot of hotels. More apartment complexes. Lots of apartment complexes. Um, like... A ludicrous amount of apartment complexes. It really does seem like it's just surrounded by housing. Um, housing and, and jobs. There's a school district there. Like... I mean, I don't... I don't know. There's a high school. Not, not too far from where they're talking about building. There's a high school. Um, villas... Concerned Roman Catholics. All right. Yeah. No. People. People live in in those areas, and um, unless Disney's willing to pay them a ludicrous amount of money, because actually, you know what? It's not even. It's not even like the people that live in those apartments that Disney needs to deal with. It's the. It's the people who own the building, 
And that's the shittiest part of all because they're going to get a big fat check from Disney and go, hell yeah, you can have my building and then fuck off and all of the people that live in that apartment complex are screwed. So, yeah, I don't know. Not a, not a fan of that. I am a fan of the new Frozen Tangled and Peter Pan worlds going to Disney Sea. Um, if they're if they're toning that as like new expansions, clearly Japan said yes. I don't know anything about like what the area is around Tokyo Disney Sea, but clearly they made some sort of deal, and Japan's like sure, fucking let's do it. Um, but I mean Anaheim's different. Anaheim's its own thing, and uh, if they don't want more Disney stuff, Disney tough. I mean, that's that's kind of where I'm at. I'm amazed they were able to build Star Wars Land, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, they, they should just either build vertically or go underground. I don't know, but they... They just need to find a different a different place. If you want to make Disneyland bigger in California and have a bigger presence in California, you gotta look outside a fucking major metropolitan area to do that. The fact that Disneyland is where it is and is still as big as it is is astounding to me. Like, it is... You just gotta go elsewhere, man. And I know that doesn't... That defeats the point, really, because then it's like, well, it's not Disneyland anymore. Well, then fucking... Have Disneyland be the relic that it is. People don't want Disneyland to change, you know? Disney World can change. I mean, Disney World is all about change. Especially Epcot. Like, that's totally fine. And the reason Disney World can change is because Disneyland is still there. And if people want to experience the, the original, the true, the icon... Disneyland is still there, being Disneyland, you know? That's, I don't know. I guess, I guess, I guess we'll see. But I couldn't not talk about this because, hey, it's Disney news. And I love me some Disney news. Let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. The Winter Soldier and the Falcon in the show, episode two, has come and gone. And uh, we got a bit of a backstory on the new Captain America, whose name I've already forgotten. I think his name is John Walker. Um, and I think I spoke a little bit about this last week, about how he's this character named U.S. Agent who has a fairly sad backstory. Um, show does a pretty good job of painting him as a good dude, um, which is kind of the best because nothing makes me happier than seeing moral ambiguity in a show. Like, that's one of the things that made Thanos was, uh, so, um, intriguing as a villain, was that you could understand, um... And on some points, you could sympathize with this point of view. And, you know, you sit there and be like, Ah, Thanos, I hate you, but I love you. You know, there's that kind of relationship. And, um, I mean, you can see that this this new Cap, you know, he's trying to do good. He's just a guy with a shield, you know, just doing his best. Um, and I appreciate that, that he's not just like a straight up asshole about it. It makes him a much more interesting character. So smart call. Um, we finally got some interaction between Falcon and, and uh, Bucky. And their whole back and forth during, like, their, their, um, like, journey in and them, like, staking out the warehouse was spectacular. I loved that. It was so fucking witty and snappy. It was fucking amazing. So that was spectacular. Um, and I know they're going to be best of friends when this whole show is over. So it's totally fine that they're not friends now because they will be later and it's going to be great. Um, so I, I enjoyed that. I love the action of the show. Uh, they finally introduced Zemo, which if they didn't know in this fucking episode, well then what the fuck is the point of having him in the show? Because there's only four episodes left. Um, but I enjoyed that. And, um, Isaiah was fucking baller. Uh, and I hope they dive more into that. This idea that there were super soldiers since Steve. Um, because they very much, up until now, have been like, there were the Winter Soldiers. And they had the super soldier serum, like Bucky does, I think. Not 100% certain on that, but I'm guessing he does. Otherwise, how would he have survived the, the airplane fall? Um, or done literally any of the stuff that he's done, like going toe-to-toe with the cat. Um, I guess I always missed that, that he got the super soldier serum. Because I just thought he was like a really good hand-to-hand combatant. Kind of like the French guy that could go toe-to-toe with cat. Um, but whatever. Um, you know, he's... It seems like it. I'm not 100% sure, actually, if he has the super soldier serum or not. Um, I think he's just a dude with a metal arm, but I can't be certain. So, but Isaiah was dope as hell, and I want more shit from him, um, and learn about his backstory, uh, where he, he had to be sent in to take out, uh, 
Bucky and failed, I guess. I thought that whole scene was great. Um, the the bit of... Yeah, I mean, I, I, I liked it. Um, there seems to be a, a lot of uh, social political commentary in these episodes. Um, which is probably accurate. Um, like, uh, them having to deal with the cops in the second episode... And then there's the bit with the loans in the first episode. I'm not saying they're not stories worth hearing, especially in a, in a Marvel Cinematic Universe setting, um, because the show has, or, or this these characters in this, this you know, um, Cinematic Universe is arguably the most popular thing in the world, um, depending on who you ask. You know, it's it's big. And the fact that such a high-profile show is... is at least somewhat acknowledging those issues. Um, that's the thing. Like, if you're going to do those stories, I feel like there's not enough time dedicated to either of those stories, quite frankly. Um, and I wonder if the if the paltry effort to bring those issues to light in these episodes is worth their inclusion at all. Um, so, they just... They seem tonally bizarre to me. Um... It's it's kind of like everybody watching those those Star Wars prequels being like, hey, you know what my favorite part about Star Wars is? Trade negotiation and border disputes. Hell yeah, nobody's coming to superhero shit for for financial discussions and problems with street cops. They're superheroes. Also, where's this idea of them being free agents? The the Sokovian Accords just up and vanished when half of the planet fucking died. I would have thought that would have stayed in in fucking Tact, and that's what I thought Falcon was doing in the first episode was being a, a, a an agent for the United States government, and now they're like, we're free agents, we don't have to deal with that shit. Well, why the fuck not? You still cause lots of damage wherever the fuck you go, and if you're free agents, why were you so concerned about invading Libyan airspace or working with the military? Like, what the fuck? I don't understand that at all. That. That seems in direct contradiction with what the fuck we just saw in the first episode and the second episode. So, that confuses me. Um, and I don't get that. Um, but it was it was a decent episode. Um, I will be honest, I am enjoying the show less than I did WandaVision. Mostly because WandaVision had that mystery element to it. And this one seems much more straightforward. Um, there's a little bit of, like, a geopolitical conspiracy, and there's a little bit when it comes to, like, this ragtag group of super soldiers that are like, we're gonna unite the planet! But I'm... I'm not very invested in it, to be perfectly honest. There's not enough Falcon and Winter Soldier in the show called Falcon and Winter Soldier, and when we are exactly one-third of the way through this entire show, and I'm still kind of feeling like that, you kind of miss the bill on something a little bit. I feel like that first episode set up too much of them as separate characters and not enough of them together. And I have a sneaking suspicion that the show's probably not going to do as good of a job wrapping up some of its established storylines. Like that sweet old man in the first episode. I doubt we're ever going to see him again. I would love to. It'd be really easy to close that story thread off. It won't really make a big difference if they don't. But... You know, Chekhov's gun. You set that shit up in the first act. You gotta have it pay off in the third. Otherwise, you've missed the boat on it. And there was no point in establishing it sooner. So, it seems, seems a little... There's... there's I don't know. Also, why the fuck is Zemo in, like, a normal prison? I thought he ended up in the, in the same box that fucking Bucky was in. Like, the military thing? I thought that's where he ended up. With, like, fucking... Uh, Martin Freeman and stuff like that. F Friedman? Martin? Martin? Martin Short. What the fuck was his name? Bilbo. I think his name is Martin Freeman. Um, I thought that's where he ended up. I don't fucking... I don't know. Episode had some good parts and had some not-so-good parts. I think the Captain America character is fine. Um, he's exactly what he needs to be, which is good. And I'm glad that you can't really straight up hate him because lord knows everybody did right when his fucking neil patrick harrisy looking face in the mask showed up at the end of episode one everyone was like fuck this guy and they they did what they had to do in order to make him a an understandable and relatable character i still don't like him 
because of what he represents. He's not fucking Captain America. He's not my Captain America. But he is... Ex- Honestly, the you, the United States government could have done a hell of a lot worse picking the next guy to be Captain America. This dude, I mean, his pedigree is impressive. So, could have been worse. Um, could have been worse. Battlestar? I'm not familiar with Battlestar. Galactica. Um, I'm not familiar with that sidekick. Because that is exactly what he is. That is a sidekick as fuck. Falcon and Cap to me were equals. Cap and Bucky were equals. That motherfucker is a sidekick. Look at him. Look at that sidekick looking motherfucker. Battlestar. Is that the first sidekick in the MCU? It might be. It might be. But no, it's like everybody else. They've never felt like sidekicks. They felt like friends and partners. This motherfucker feels like a sidekick. Just like how that that tech guy who got his ass whooped in the first episode working with Falcon feels like a sidekick, you know? That's not that's not a buddy. That's like that's the guy in the chair. I don't know. I'm sure he's a great guy, but I don't give a flying fuck about Battlestar. So that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at. Anyway, it was fine. I don't know. If you like Marvel shit, you'll you'll be like meh. And if you don't like Marvel shit, you'll be like super meh. This show has less to do with Marvel than the first fucking show did, in my opinion. At least tonally. It's it's fine. It's okay. I mean, it's not gonna blow your... It's not blowing my mind. Let's put it that way. It needs it needs something big in this next episode. It's the mid-season hook! Anyway, let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. So I beat Spider-Man Miles Morales, and it was fine. I mean, it, shut up, computer. It is a um, particularly short game. I think seven and a half hours playtime is generous. That being said, I did um, fucking just sprint right up the middle, and I ignored all of the side quests um, for a couple of reasons. One, I wanted it off my plate. It's just nice to have, like, you know, have achieved something and be like, there, it's done. I can move on with my life. So there was that driving force um, that was that was going on, and then the other was I was curious to see exactly how many side quests and other things there were to do in this game, and there's like twelve things. I don't really know why they were pushing this game out so fast, because it really does feel like it. It's also buggy as hell. Um, and I encountered, like, a bunch of bugs, especially in the, like, the last encounter, basically, that entire thing. Um, Spider-Man would just start sprinting randomly through walls, just firing webs off every which way, and then the game would be like, whoop, you're leaving the play area, you want to turn around? Um, so that happened a lot. And then there were, there were camera problems and stuff like that. Um, and I was surprised, because, like, Spider-Man PS4 is so polished and I didn't I don't remember any bugs but with Miles Morales um it's significantly shorter the story is not nearly as interesting um it's also very predictable the the fights are not particularly very fun um and then like at the very end of the game the whole like last you know 40 minutes or whatever Miles Morales is so ludicrously overpowered that I was just one-shotting guys. Like, not even using my Venom Punch. I don't even think that was intentional. I think the game was bugging out, but I would, like, touch a guy. And he would just, like, fly. And then that'd be it. He wouldn't even get up again. And I'm like, usually it takes more than one hit to take these guys out. And so Miles was just so fucking strong. And then, like, I don't know. The story wasn't all that great. Um, and... I just I don't know I didn't I didn't like it nearly as much as Spider-Man PS4. That being said, I don't want to replay Spider-Man PS4 either. Um, I don't know. There's like I got bored pretty quickly. It's a seven and a half hour game, and I got bored. Like you could be, you could play this entire game in less than a day, but I mean I didn't care about fighting people anymore because it wasn't fun. I was just mashing buttons, waiting for my Venom Strike to charge, so I could hold L1 and hit the exact same button and kill the guy, and 
then move on and that was it it was just that over and over again and then there were like some puzzle elements where you have to like connect electrical power with points and stuff using your your webbing which stops the momentum of the game fucking dead and you're just like and yeah i mean it's it's not i don't i don't think i'd recommend it it's a lot of money for seven hours of of air quotes fun if I had an absolute blast the entire time, I would recommend it, but I didn't. I was bored a lot and often, um, and I didn't know any of these characters except for Miles, and I barely care about Miles, you know? Just watch Into the Spider-Verse, honest to God. I feel like that captures this character just as well, um, and you can watch that in less than two hours, and that's a phenomenal movie. It also looks better <laughs> than this game does. This game looks great, but I love the art style. Of Into the Spider-Verse. So, that's my recommendation. Skip this. Honest to God. Like, even if you're a super diehard Spider-Man fan, if you've got $50 burning a hole in your pocket, I can almost guarantee there are better games for you to play. If you haven't played PS4 Spider-Man, just get that. Because Miles is also a playable character in that game. In fact, he gets bitten by the spider and becomes Spider-Man in that game. It's fun. I didn't need this. This, this, this is DLC, and it's not as good as the DLC that came out with Spider-Man PS4. I don't know what happened. This seemed like such a no-brainer to me. But when my fucking uncle is like, hey, you want a new fun collect-a-thon? How about you go around the city and record random sound effects for no reason? Give that a whirl. Woo! Sign me the fuck. Pass. Pass. I, I'm just, I just wasn't in the mood for a collect-a-thon, so I bailed. Um, and I just finished the story, and the story just kind of goes out with a wet fart. You're just kind of like, oh, that's it? Okay. How many awesome characters from the Spider-Man villain roster do we get in this game? About, about two. I guess three if you include the Tinkerer, who I don't know who the fuck that is. But you get Rhino, and you get Prowler, and that's it. Unlike the fucking rogues gallery of villains in Spider-Man PS4, Miles has two. And one of them's not even really a villain, because it's his uncle. And he just means well, kind of, sort of. Um, I guess there's Simon Krieger, but he doesn't do anything. And the game ends with its after credit scene, setting up basically the exact same thing that the first Spider-Man game set up, which is Harry Osborn covered in the Venom symbiote. Um... At least that's, I think that's the situation that's going on there. So they're just getting you excited for Spider-Man 2. Which I pray they take their time with. These aren't movie tie-in games. You don't need to sync it up to like the release of the third Spider-Man movie. Spider-Man's going to be just as fucking popular after the release of that movie as he is at basically any other time because he's fucking Spider-Man. Please, for the love of God, take your time with that movie or that game. Make it worthwhile. And that being said, I'm a, like, I know you can't really set a Spider-Man game anywhere else except New York City. But I'm getting a little sick in New York City. I've seen it now when it's winter and when it's not winter. And those are the only two ways you can see New York City. Um, also, a fast travel system in a Spider-Man game, especially a seven-hour Spider-Man game, is stupid. The whole point of being Spider-Man is that you web swing, okay? I don't need Spider-Man to get a fucking subway pass and ride the rails like some any old Joe Schmo to get to places faster. The movement is what makes him Spider-Man. Otherwise, he's just some dipshit that can stick to walls, and who cares about that? So, yeah, this, this game hit on less points than it missed for me. And if you have a PS5 and were wondering which games to get... Can't recommend Spider-Man Miles Morales. I would recommend De Demon Souls before Spider-Man Miles Morales. Um, speaking of which, Demon Souls is just a ton of fun. Um, I particularly love the the multiplayer uh, aspect of Souls games. Um, there's something fantastic about jolly cooperation, and uh, I, I very much appreciate that. Especially when it's like I'm in a new zone and I'm like I'm dead. I'll just fucking slap my sign down. Somebody can bring me in and. I get to explore the new zone almost um, without, like, fear of, of dying. Like, it takes a whole other, like, edge off. And you can kind of 
see what the the zone looks like and uh, figure out the the like the fastest path. And then when you help defeat the boss, you get your body back, and you're even stronger when it's your turn to go do the things. So yeah, I mean, it's a uh, it's fun. Um, that's a that's a good game. And Persona Five Strikers is just a blast. Um, and I I enjoyed that game uh, a a lot. So yes. But not Spider-Man Miles Morales. That one gets a gets a hard and firm pass from me. Let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. In preparation of the movie event of the weekend, uh, Godzilla vs. Kong, I went back and rewatched two of the three movies. Or I, I watched one of the movies for the first time. And then I, I saw the other one in theaters, and I never saw the third one, except I'm, a, I'm about to. So I'll talk about that one after these other ones. Anyway, so you got 2014 Godzilla, which I thought was fine. I mean, to be perfectly honest, that was my first Godzilla movie. Um, I, I had never seen the original Toho movies uh, from like the 50s onwards. I didn't see the 1998 Matthew Broderick Abomination. Um, so my first introduction to Godzilla... Like movies was the 2014 legendary picture with Godzilla and his thunder thighs. Now, of course, I grew up knowing who the fuck Godzilla was, um, and I have a, a a big admiration for for that creation. I think Godzilla is radical, and Godzilla's scream is one of the most iconic sounds in a movie you know you can put Godzilla's scream for anybody and they're gonna be like that's Godzilla just like how you can do the T-Rex scream from Jurassic Park or you can do the Nazgul shriek from Lord of the Rings like these are really iconic sounds that you can just kind of pick out of a fucking lineup so I thought the movie was okay it definitely did a bait and switch with Brian Cranston that wasn't great um and then that movie uh spent way too much time worrying about the human element which I don't care about and many people don't. Fuck the human element. Nobody's nobody's there for the people. It's not people plus gods. It's fucking called Godzilla. And so you should just do the Godzilla thing. And that movie kind of upset me because Toho has a, an incredible roster of monsters and things to fight Godzilla. Like, that's kind of the whole point. Is that there's just an absolute metric fuck ton of kaiju in Godzilla's roster. And that movie decided to invent their own dumb things called the Mudos. Which might as well just be faceless blobs. They're, they're not memorable. They don't do anything cool. And they just exist to die in that movie. Because you can't have Godzilla be the bad guy. Godzilla's supposed to be the defender. Right? That's It's like The Rock. The Rock's never the bad guy. At worst, he's an anti-hero. You know? Like, you can't... That's the whole point. Um, I mean, I know originally Godzilla was supposed to be this... Um, well, it's not really an allegory, but he was the response to nuclear war. Like, that's what made Godzilla. That was his origin. Um, we basically bombed the shit out of his home and mutated a lizard into becoming Godzilla. And then he was going to be the detriment to mankind. Just like <gasps> the nuke was. Uh, and then over time, he evolved into being like humanity's savior against, air quotes, even worse threats. That's what Godzilla was all about. Um, which is why on paper, Godzilla versus Kong is stupid. But I'll get into that in a little bit. 2017 Kong Skull Island, where you see Nick Fury, Loki, and Captain Marvel team up with Sully from Monsters, Inc. to fight, except they're not, Kong. They, they discover this island. They go to the island. Turns out Kong's there. Hey, what's up? Turns out Kong is 14 years old or something like that and is still growing. So that wasn't even Kong at full size, even though that movie dramatically increased his size because, hey, guess what? He needs to go toe-to-toe with Godzilla. And King Kong from the fucking whatever is the first movie wasn't that tall. He was only like 30-ish feet. And that Godzilla would have eaten him. It wasn't even a contest. So they had to make Kong even larger, even more ludicrously larger, um, in order to, you know, be a threat to Godzilla, which on paper is ludicrous. Um, and I'll tell you, it's not even about like what Kong brings to the fight table or what Godzilla brings to the fight table. That doesn't matter. What matters is the people running the show. And you can't have Godzilla lose because Toho won't allow it. 
And you can't have Kong lose because Universal won't allow it. The, the only possible way this fucking versus movie can go down is a third, even larger threat that forces these two other fucks to team up, realize that, hey, we can coexist with each other and go their separate ways. And it's going to be the most limp-dickest fight anybody's ever seen. Which does beg the question, who's the third threat, right? Because who gives a fuck about the Mudos? Don't, don't matter. Godzilla King of the Monsters, however, brought three of the other big powerhouses to the front of the big screen. You got Mothra, you got Rodan, you got King Ghidorah with the three heads. And if it was up to me, I would have probably picked King Ghidorah. However, they already blew their King Ghidorah load. They, they, they had three of the most iconic Godzilla, not even enemies. I mean, Mothra is technically a good guy, I think. Like, the more often, I don't know. Um, but, like... Those, those three are, are top billing guys. And so where do you go from here? My money's probably on Mechagodzilla. Because it's gonna be some fucking ill-conceived attempt for humanity to, like, take them both out and, and save themselves. And so they're gonna make Mechagodzilla. And then Godzilla and Kong are gonna have to team up to take down Mechagodzilla. And that's how the movie's gonna go. And what they really need to not do... If I need... Like, Kong Skull Island was pretty good. Uh, it's it's basically the Moby Dick story uh, with Sam Jackson's character going up against Kong because Kong killed, like, his entire platoon or whatever. And he's out for revenge! Um, and, of course, there is this third larger threat because isn't that always the way of the Skull Crawlers, um, which are basically just giant lizards. And I enjoyed all the giant monsters in Kong Skull Island. It reminded me a lot of the 2005 Peter Jackson Kong movie, which had its fair share of other giant monsters. They're not named or as memorable as some of the things that Godzilla puts up with, like Jet Jaguar, but they're still pretty cool. Like the giant spider with its gross tentacles. Uh, the, the skull crawlers I thought were a pretty fun design. There were the giant water buffalo, which I thought were pretty cool. Um, the saw-beaked birds that can fly through somebody's arm and chop it off. Like, a lot of really neat monsters in Kong Skull Island. Um, and the other thing I enjoyed about that movie was the fact that all of the music, all the soundtrack music, was, like, played in the movie. They had, like, record players and tape players with them, like, the whole way. Even if it didn't make sense for them to have that, like, why are you carrying this equipment with you? But now they had that. And I was just like, huh, that's interesting. Um, and I'm sure there's like, you know, we spoke to X person and who fought in the Vietnam War and yeah, they had portable record players and they would bring them with them on excursions or I don't know. I'm sure there's some story like that, which seems kind of productive because wouldn't you want to like, you know, not reveal yourself to the enemy, but whatever, you know, war. Um, I, I did enjoy that movie. I, I thought that was good. But honest to God, the, the I don't know why they're coming out with Kong versus Godzilla. Because all it is is the debate, and we're never going to know for sure, because that's not the point. Neither of the people who own the rights to their creations want their creation to lose. Because if their creation loses, it loses a lot of its fucking mysticism. That's why The Rock is seen as such a cool fucking dude. Because he never loses. That's the whole point. He is the eternal action hero. He will always come out on top. He might lose a fight here and there, but by the end of that fucking movie, The Rock will come out victorious. Just like how Godzilla will come out victorious. Just like how Kong will come out victorious. Even if they lose, they don't lose forever. They might get knocked down, but they get back up, and that's the whole fucking point. So when you have two creations that solely exist to not get knocked down and get back up and overcome adversity... You can't pick a winner. You just can't. That's just not how it goes. Now, in terms of the actual fucking showdown, if they were going to pick a winner, it would be Godzilla through and through. Kong, for all of his cool stuff and ability to throw a right hook, is just a giant ape. Godzilla has fucking superpowers. It's kind of it. It's Superman versus Batman. Yeah, but Batman, with with all the time in the world, could come up with fic fucking Krypton. Batman, if Superman decided to go off half-cocked and go after Batman, it would be over in less than a tenth of a second. 
Superman would just fly through him or fucking just blow his brain. Like, it wouldn't happen. It just... It, the only reason Batman wins the fight against Superman is because Superman fucking lets him. That's it. Like, you can come at me with the kryptonite all you fucking want, but that's only there to make it, like, an even fight. All Superman needs to do is show up at, like, 3 in the morning when Batman's asleep and just waylaced, and then it's over. It's over in seconds. And Godzilla's the same thing. All it takes is, like, one fucking nuclear breath or whatever. It just, it, it, Godzilla doesn't, or Kong doesn't stand a chance. It's just, it's ludicrous. Um, and that's why that, that actual movie, if they were to do a legitimate, like, fucking, you know, no holds barred fight between Godzilla and Kong, it'd be over in seconds. So, yeah, that's why it just wouldn't, you can't do that. So, it's gonna be the two of them versus Mechagodzilla. The fact that he's a threat against Godzilla is a fucking hilarity in and of itself. Um, but then, of course, now you've got Godzilla versus Kong. You can only trick the people seeing this movie once to to make them think that there's going to be some, some like, oh, who's going to win? You can only play that trick once. There's never going to be a Godzilla versus Kong 2, okay? Because you just can't. You can't blow that load a second time. So, where do they even possibly go from here? Probably into just more and more obscure fucking Godzilla monsters. Of which there is not a shortage. There are dozens of Godzilla monsters. You've got Mecha Space Godzilla, for example. Could be an option. You got Jet Jaguar. Everybody's favorite Godzilla enemy. You got Destroya. Who only appeared in one movie, but was dope as hell. So they've got options. I just hope they go back in the echelons of shit that's already been established. Rather than invent their own dumb shit. Because when they invent their own dumb shit, they come up with the Mudos. And who are the Mudos? Exactly. Fuck, exactly. Basically giant bird things. Anyway. So, yeah. That's how Godzilla vs. Kong is gonna go. I bet you anything, the movie's gonna end with, like... They're gonna stand over Mechagodzilla's body and they're gonna look at each other and gonna they're gonna, like nod empiricly was like what's up bro you cool and then they're gonna turn away from each other and walk in separate directions because that's how you acknowledge as big heroes and then they'll be like all right you can you can live we're, we're buds now we're gonna be buds you know why it's because they're both the last of their kind i think i think godzilla's the last of his kind it's what they're gonna tell us now at least I want that entire movie to be two hours of them building Mechagodzilla and being like, Why are we doing this? Don't worry about it. It will be fun. Behold the giant robot Godzilla. No, but like, why are we doing that though? Be because we, we humans need a champion of our own. But Godzilla saved us like fucking six years ago. Right? He saved us from the moon. No, he is, um... He's he's bad guy. We don't want... We cannot trust Godzilla. No, we must bring in giant monkey to take out Godzilla. But wait, why are you bringing in the monkey to take out Godzilla if you're building Mechagodzilla at the same time? I don't understand. We can't trust the monkey either. Okay, so then why are you even bringing him in as a... As an... See, it is distraction. Monkey fights Godzilla. Backs are turned. Mechagodzilla comes out of smoke. Stabs them. Well, then what happens with Mechagodzilla? Mechagodzilla is our creation. He will not turn against humanity. But what if he does the... Don't worry about it. It's fine. This movie's gonna be so fucking stupid. <laughs> I'm a couple of days away from it actually being released. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I wanted to I wanted to talk about those, those two movies. Now... Even though I mentioned it, I have not seen Godzilla King of the Monsters. Everybody told me it was bad. But I'm going to pause the podcast here for a second. And two hours and ten minutes later, I'm going to come back and we'll see if it's actually good or bad. Godzilla King of the Monsters is trash. It is utter trash. You know what I always liked about the Godzilla movies is the human element. That's, that's the bit I always like. And boy, you know, I'm not there for the cool monster fights or anything like that. You can cut away f from that shit. That's fine. 
It's like they learned their lesson with Kong Skull Island, which I thought was a pretty fucking good monster movie. To be perfectly honest with you, plenty of monster carnage, a neat world, likable characters, a good soundtrack, good shit. Kong Skull Island was good shit. And they, it feels like, you know, they learned their lesson with 2014 Godzilla, which spent way too long on the human element and all that shit. Didn't care. Didn't care. And then they regressed with Godzilla King of the Monsters. They had 17 monsters in this movie, and you barely see any of them. Like, it's just... And when you do, it's not particularly interesting. It's just not fun to watch. Like, Godzilla or Kong versus the Kraken was a more interesting monster fight, and that's only like 20 seconds, than anything in Godzilla and King of the Monsters. I just didn't care, you know? Um, I didn't like the fact that they're like, you know, we don't know anything about Monster Zero. And then 40 minutes later, she's like, I've pieced together from from Mythos that this motherfucker is an alien named Ghidorah. Okay. Well, why didn't you have that before? Seems like you, you've got code names for everybody at the, at the rip and righty. This is Rodan, the fire demon. All right. This is a lot. Just throwing that. That's fine. Look at this guy. This is a big old mammoth. What's he do? I don't know. What's his name? Steven. Oh, okay. That's fine. So we got this magic talking box that allows us to communicate to all the monsters. It's fun. And now we're going to give it to the dumbest movie character I've ever fucking seen put to film. Don't even know what their names are. That's the other thing. I don't care about the human actors at all. And so it's like, I'm man one here because Godzilla killed, well, not only potentially thousands of people, but my boy, my boy, Andrew, the only character whose name I know is the one that died in the previous movie because they won't shut up about him. His name's Andrew. That sticks with me because, hey, that's my name. So... Movie's a weird experience for me. Is this what Andrew would have wanted? I'm screaming at the screen. No! I wanted a good movie! You motherfuckers. It's not good. And it's a real bummer that this was like, you know, this is like the ultimate setup one, really. Is is Godzilla. Apparently this movie takes place like what, five years after the the first movie, and the next movie takes place five years after Godzilla takes out Ghidorah. So woo! In the bowing scene. I get it. He's king of the monsters. Whoop-de-fucking-do. Also, you mentioned Skull Island in your movie. Then Kong wasn't there. It doesn't even appear on any of your fucking screens. Because you didn't have the rights to him, so you couldn't show him. Except for, like, the end credit scene, where I think he just... Oh, who cares? It wasn't good. Kong, Skull Island? That's a good movie. I'd see that one again in a second. I still don't know any of the characters' names in there. But I liked that movie. I thought that movie was fine. Yeah, so. That's kind of where I'm at. I'm fully caught up for fucking Godzilla vs. Kong. Which, by the length of this week's podcast, that's going to be the last thing we talk about. So, let's get right into it. And finally this week, the big one. The brand new one, the the 4K release on HBO Max, mega, it's not even summer, spring blockbuster, Godzilla vs. Kong, is terrible. <laughs> it's not good. It's it's not good. I don't know what it is about these, these 4K quality movies, but the CG for Kong in particular just didn't look very good. Um, at least not, not to me. It looked... It looked like an animated monkey, which I guess is fine if that's what you're going for. But if you're going for like photorealism, then it didn't look particularly great, at least to my eyes. Um, I thought the special effects in Kong vs. Skull Island were better, uh, personally, but that is that is fine. I also think Kong vs. Skull Island is a vastly superior movie, and it is the best movie out of these four MonsterVerse things. Um easily so many issues exist with godzilla versus kong one is um 
all of the human characters. Every single human ca I know that's like a thing with Godzilla movies is that the human characters are terrible, but honest to God, I don't know their names. I don't know their motivations. They just kind of seem to fall into each other and then they go from scene to scene with no earthly reason of explaining how the fuck they got there. Like how the fuck the dad got to Hong Kong or why there's a hyperloop that connects Florida to Hong Kong or how this hollow earth bullshit works or why it went from being like a monster movie to like inner space sci-fi nonsense within 10 minutes of, of oh my god it's it is a bafflingly confusing movie and it's not that I wasn't paying attention which to be fair I wasn't paying attention but honest to god they like they don't set up their characters very well. And so you don't have like names or, or identities. You just go, oh, this is, you know, human man number two, who is a, a person for a reason. And it's, you're just like left out in the weeds. And so it's like, all right, Godzilla's around. He, and then Kong was ever on Godzilla's list because apparently Kong was on Skull Island and Godzilla can't go to Skull Island for some reason, which is horse shit. Why can't Godzilla go to Skull Island? They don't explain it. They just go, Godzilla can't sense Kong on this island. Why the fuck not? You should be able to. It's on the it's on the Earth's surface. What? It's protected by storms. That's it. You know, Godzilla could swim underneath those storms. He's Godzilla. So that was dumb. Um, I, I you know, I'm I'm all for. I didn't care about any of the human characters. Any of the human characters. They are all unifyingly terrible. Um, Kong actually had a bit of a story arc, almost. Really hard to do with a character that, you know, doesn't really have much going on. But I will say that Kong had more personality than any other monster movie that I've seen. I feel like he, he had a lot going on. And you could see his thought process a couple of times. Like, there was once where uh, a ship was attacking him, and he picked up the ship, and he looked in the cockpit to see who the fuck was in there before he crushed it to make sure he didn't kill any of his buddies. Like, I loved that. I thought that was great. Um, and then, of course, he's, like, learning how to sign, which I thought was pretty cool. There was there was a lot of, like, sign language in this movie, and I thought that was wonderful. Um, that, that, was, that, was a, that was a nice touch. Didn't need to be in the movie, but I thought it was cool um, that it was in the movie. Uh, and it, it felt, uh, it felt like it was done fairly well. Like the, the integration of sign language into the film probably could have been done. A lot of things in this movie could have been done better. A lot of things could have been done better. This is like a fucking D movie. Like it's not good. Um, it's, it's kind of okay. This movie does fix some of the mistakes that Godzilla King of the Monsters made. Um, where all of the fights were at night in the in the rain. Like, Ghidorah basically traveled with a storm around him, right? And so, there was that. Um, but there were... If it wasn't during the day, which many of the fights were, and I do appreciate the day fights because it's brave, they do CGI fights at night because it makes the CG look better. So, doing it in the day is is a lot harder. So, it's, it's nice for them to take that, you know, extra step in make it happen during the day so i appreciate that um and if it wasn't during the day then it was in this fucking led neon nightmare of a city a lab i don't know what the fuck this movie thinks the world looks like but it is not cyberpunk everywhere honest to god like this movie is incredibly vibrant and not really in a good way it's just like Things that shouldn't be LED'd were LED'd. Like on the ship, the tanker ship transporting Kong, the fucking air vents in the cockpit were blue LED lit. I'm like, why? It's like there's so much LED and bright, shiny lights everywhere. And then, of course, you get, you know, Godzilla's nuclear breath. And then you get the axe that Kong finds in Journey to the Center of the Earth. It's a fucking weird movie it goes places and does things that i'm like fucking like rearing back in my chair going where the absolute fuck did any of this come from honestly movie's fairly creative but it also like 
fucking elbows its way too hard into like conspiracy theories um and this movie's basically like well what if all of these conspiracy theories were true and there were giant monsters all over the place i don't know it's just it's meh it is a very meh movie um and then of course the very end of the film um well not the very end of the film like the latter third of the film we're introduced to the true big bad of the of the movie um which of course is exactly how this was going to go um and that is mecha godzilla uh who looks like a five nights at freddy's villain um and i guess it makes sense that the first round of like a giant mech suit developed by humanity at least in the canada these movies would be a giant clunky piece of shit um it's not gonna be you know the streamlined gundam right out the gate it takes time to get to that level um so i get it why it looked like that um but it looked dumb um and the idea that the living skull of Ghidorah inside the mecha godzilla suit had enough wherewithal to kill the pilot and can take control of the mecha godzilla suit is fucking mind-boggling so in reality it was Ghidorah in mecha godzilla's suit fighting godzilla and kong it's a it's a weird movie and it's not very good I could list the baffling things this movie does for hours. It is it is jam-packed full of weird-ass shit. Um, and human characters, you just do not care about any of them. It's, it is a weird movie. Um, fucking, thankfully, it is under two hours long. And given that I just sat through, you know, an absolute metric shit ton of monster movies and i've just recently watched the snyder cut an hour and 53 minute long movie feels like a light snack in comparison to some of the things i've seen recently so i appreciate that um it's still pretty long but compared to the shit i've seen lately it, it really felt like it got in and got out um and then immediately after that i watched the original space jam and that was great um so yeah godzilla uh, versus kong gets a whopping is it a competent? No, it's not a competent movie. So I'm feeling a three. I'm feeling a three out of ten. And in case in case it needs restating, five is my my baseline minimum. If you've made a competent movie that is inoffensive but doesn't do anything amazing or too terrible, then you get a five. This movie I do not believe is basically competent, and therefore it gets a three. It fails to establish its characters in any meaningful way. There are way too many plot lines throughout this movie that don't make any sense. It jumps from random science thing to random science thing like whiplash. It is it is baffling and honest to God, they just needed to pick like one fucking thing and stick to it. I don't want science fiction complexity in my monster movie. I just want to see monsters fight. Like, it was... It was so weird. It's like somebody with like a loose idea of how the universe works just fucking lost their mind and went, yeah, but what if the planet was hollow and there was like grass and shit down there and sunlight for some reason that's never explained or clouds for some reason that are never explained because that exists within the core of the earth, right? It should have been absolutely pitch black and all the plant life should have been fucking mushrooms or whatever, but whatever, it's fine. It's fine. It gets a 3 out of 10. I don't recommend you watch this movie, even if you're a massive Godzilla fan. I don't think there's anything here for you. I think you stand a better chance of watching literally any of the other Godzilla movies, except for King of the Monsters in Godzilla 2014. Just just watch the old school Toho shit. I have no guarantee that's better. I haven't seen it, but I'm just like, at least you get an idea of what the fuck you're getting into. Um, and I feel like your time would be better spent on that route. Watch Kong Skull Island. Out of all of these monster movies I've seen, it's the only one I think is a legitimately good movie. So, Kong Skull Island. Skip all the rest of the shit. Anyway, thank you all very much for listening to this week's episode of The Going Up Cast. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, and I will see you all next week for another brand new episode. Have a good one, everyone.